So, ladies and gentlemen, Aklon here, and of course, welcome back to each and every one of you. This is episode two of The Shull Show, uh, brand new show, well, brand new, insofar as new can be considered new. Uh, it's not actually new, but it is kind of new. So, brand new Shull Show, all about World of Warcraft lore, discussions about the lore, deep dives into the lore, and more of course i always get to your questions and your comments as well uh, at the end of the stream so thank you so much to everyone that has already joined and to everyone that will join everyone that will watch this offline uh remember it is now available on spotify on castbox on apple music i believe it is or apple podcast whichever one so it is available on all of your favorite or most of your favorite podcast platforms if you would prefer to listen to this as a podcast. Remember to hit the like button, follow, and more. Ladies and gentlemen, I am happy to be back. There is a lot that we have to discuss today. Some of it uh, has caused some trouble. I'm not gonna lie, there's been a little bit of outcry and outrage over on Twitter, as there always is. What would a week be without some, uh, some, some anger from the WoW community over things that Blizzard do? And I really do think that at this point, being a, uh, uh, being a WoW developer, is perhaps one of the hardest jobs ever because damned if you do, damned if you don't, right? Uh, you can do something really cool and there will be a part of the community goes, what the? Like, how the hell did you think that would work? Or you could do something really bad and another part of the community thinks, oh my God, this is the best thing ever. And another part goes, nah, this is the worst thing ever. So really you can't win. It, 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 it's just it's just miserable. So I'm going to start talking today about the new world tree. All right, and it's going to be a long one, as you would expect. There's so much information about this world tree. There's, you know, there's an entire lead-up quest line that we have access to, as well as the aftermath of the cinematic. We've seen the whole cinematic. You know, everything is live, and uh, I, I think I'm lying, actually. Yeah, that's a lie, actually. We know nothing about the world tree. There is no build-up to the to the cinematic. There there are no lead-up quests. None of that is known. Uh, it's still very much encrypted on the PTR. Uh, this cinematic really does appear to be a mistake from Blizzard. Someone somewhere forgot to hit the encrypt please button. So this thing sort of came out of nowhere, right? They datamined this cinematic that has one voice line in it from Alexstrasza. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's something like 10 or 15 seconds long of just this world tree, right, being born. So it's not even as if this is a, a, a crazy data minor leak, but as you would have it, uh, the gamers have already reached their conclusions about this over on Twitter. So people have lost their minds. It's been, it's been a whole thing. And... Um, I want to talk about this from uh, sort of two perspectives, I think, it makes it important to discuss. The first is just the sort of the perspective that a lot of people have taken here that, that is already decrying the decision because they've already reached the conclusion that this will be the Night Elves' new home, even though there is nothing within the reveal of the cinematics to suggest that this will be the home of the Night Elves, they physically, literally nothing. The only reason you could make that conclusion is because the the seed was given to Taranda, and Taranda was the one that kept it safe within the Emerald Dream. And now it appears, at least in Tain One, 
uh, we'll see this tree finally be born or finally be planted and sort of grow into something else. But nothing else has been confirmed. There's no build-up to, to any of this, right? There's no quest line that tells us, oh, the Night Elves are getting ready to make this their home. And for a number of reasons, I, I sort of want to tackle this first. Why this could possibly not be the Night Elves' home and why people may just be losing their minds over nothing. Uh, this is a, this would be an infant tree. This would be a very new tree. It would be, well, it would be large compared to other trees, but tiny compared to Nordrasil or Taldrasil, right? It, th these trees, Taldrasil specifically, Nordrasil, these are thousands upon thousands of years old. There's a reason why they're giant enough to actually be able to house entire civilizations because they're very, very old. This would be a relatively new one, right? So in essence, it's probably not yet large enough to house entire civilizations. Now, would the Night Elves inextricably have a connection to this tree? You bet your ass they would. But the Night Elves do have a connection to almost all of the world trees. They, they tend to be the protectors of these trees. So they would, of course, be involved in its storyline. So you're jumping to conclusions where no conclusions has yet been reached. And as far as I'm concerned, there's no evidence for these conclusions other than you just being outraged by something, right? Now, let's say that this does turn out to be the new home of the Night Elves. So let's imagine the blizzard does go ahead and they make that the story. I don't necessarily think that that is the worst thing in the world and allow me to explain before you lose your minds and start tweeting at me Tildrasil has been the home of the night elves for a very long time and you are very much correct in saying that you're very much correct in believing that but times do honestly change Tildrasil has been damaged to the point where it would take decades for Tildrasil to ever be restored to, to anything even worth going back to. Not only that, but there is a very good chance that the blessings and the wards upon the tree may have been damaged within uh, within that attack from uh, Sylvanas. I have no doubt that Sylvanas may have used very specific weaponry and the reason she used Azerite weapons specifically is cause they wanted to burn away the blessings and the protections on the tree which means that even if they wanted to that tree would be wildly unusable at least in its current state we know what happened with one missing blessing from the tree just one meant that the Void was able to corrupt it, and it took Malfurion a really long time to try and get the corruption under control. Uh, you have trees like Nordrasil that has, after literally thousands of years, is still recovering from what Archimon did to it. So the the idea, right, that the Toldra Seal is just going to be ready within the next expansion, and we just have to sort of, you know, just wait and see. It's coming. No worries. Uh, no. Toldra Seal is never going to be ready again, or at least not in our lifetimes. So the Night Elves will need a new home. To my mind, 
This new tree makes a hell of a lot more sense for the night elves than Tildrassil. It, it just does. It's first and foremost, it's a tree quite literally blessed by their goddess. It's born from the tear of their own goddess. More importantly, it's close to the entrance, the very birthplace of the Emerald Dream, a thing that the Night Elves protect with their lives. I don't understand why people have this notion that no, we will take Teldrassil back, because for some reason there needs to be justice for the injustice that's been caused. I don't know if you've noticed, but World of Warcraft isn't big on justice, and, and there's a very big reason for that. If we were to go back and say, okay, listen here, guys, we need to sort out this justice thing for everyone that's ever been sort of wronged within World of Warcraft. We'd need about 10 expansions for every single one of the races, because every single one of the races in World of Warcraft have been wronged by someone, right? We have had moments of individuals being punished for their wrongs. But if we want to go and punish entire races for the wrongs that's been done against them, this is going to take a while. Because we have to, like, how far are we going to go back here? Are we going to go back to the very earliest days of World of Warcraft? Because uh, then the orcs first need to be punished, you know, for the invasion of Azeroth, even though they were under demon control. Never mind that. They invaded Azeroth, so screw them. Then right after the orcs lost because they were sort of you know, betrayed by Gul'dan, we need to punish the humans next because the humans sort of hunted the orcs even after the orcs had surrendered to, uh, well, to extinction. So much so that the orcs had to flee across the water to an unknown land just to try and survive uh, and escape the humans. Then, of course, we have to go punish the night elves because the night elves also tried to massacre the orcs. The orcs, of course, unknowingly harvested the forests of the night elves the night elves didn't come out to the orcs and go oh whoa 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 these be our trees get the fuck out of here go get your own trees no without a word the night elves just started slaughtering the orcs and would not stop right so the night elves have to be punished for the near genocide on the orcs then the orcs need to be punished for the near genocide of the the night elves but I don't think those two cancel each other out because so much time went by. So we'll first punish the Night Elves, then we'll punish the, the Orcs. Then, of course, we have to punish uh, the Blood Elves, but we also have to punish the Undead. But then we also have to punish the humans for killing the Undead Emissaries when the Emissaries wanted to find help from the humans. So the humans have to be punished again after we've punished them for the Orcs and then... The, then we'll punish the undead for being the scourge, mind-controlled, fuck them, doesn't matter, they need to be punished too. But then, yeah, they have to be punished for the blood, but the blood elves also have to be punished because they also wanted to kill the undead. And then, I wonder if there's anyone that will not be, like, yeah, it will take a while. And I'm pretty sure I'm missing a few people that need to be punished here as, uh, as well. So you can't have justice for everyone. It's just never going to work that way. It, 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 sadly, it won't, right? The, the point is, this is World of Warcraft for a reason. We can't punish everyone. There is war, and war is hell. This is just how it goes. I don't understand why people have such a, a, a massive sort of immediate standoffishness about the new world tree. 
I think the new world tree fits. It makes sense why it would be there. It makes sense why the night elves would feel a genuine connection to it. And more importantly, this tree is literally born from the tear of Elune. Would it not already be blessed like the trees of old? Remember, Tildrassil used to be blessed by all of the dragons. It was pure. Uh, why? That's why the elves had complete immortality. That's why the 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 tree was incorruptible, right? We have uh, Andrasil, I believe it's called. Uh, what's the tree called in uh, in 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 in, in um, Grizzly Hills? It's Andrasil, right? Yeah, yeah. Andrasil. Um, we have Andrasil that shows what happens when you have a tree that you know, really shouldn't exist because it wasn't placed. Um, uh, it immediately got corrupted by the old gods. Remember that that, that blessing is off of Taldrassil, and now with the Azurite weapons, probably all of the blessings are gone. This new tree is fully blessed, which means the Night Elves may actually gain access to all of its power again. All of their power, meaning their immortality would come back, their immunity to corruption would come back, because they would once again be linked to a fully blessed tree. This is a good thing, as far as I'm concerned. This is a storyline worthy of the Night Elves. And again, want to point out, we don't actually know what that story actually is. We have only seen a single cinematic, not even a complete one, and we have no build-up and no aftermath to it. So please chill out, right? Just chill out. Wait for Blizzard to actually release the story. And here's the... Here's the kicker when it comes to stories. And this is actually one of the reasons I, I prefer Blizzard the way that they're doing it nowadays without actually releasing the story on the PTR. And I'm very sad that this story leaked or the cinematic leaked before it was ready. I believe that when you're designing a game, you want the community to be a part of that game design. You want the community to be able to taste the game, to tell you when there are things in the game that they do not like, and to, you know, sort of make sure that the game is on par with expectations for the community. What I do not believe is that stories should be crowdsourced as well. Story and lore is very much the perspective and the prerogative of the writer of the story. If you read a book and you don't like the book, well, you just don't like the book. It wasn't meant for you. You, you can't have, you know, the writer release the book in chapters so that everyone in the community can sort of, you know, go through it with a red pen and remove the things and leave notes so that the author can adapt the story. Stories don't work that way because oftentimes you're not just writing the story for the next 10 minutes. You have a massive story in mind with, that you want to go to and it's necessary for these first steps in order to get to the latter steps. The community doesn't know this, right? They're just seeing the first steps and they're like, ah, I fucking hate the first steps. I, I want different first steps. And the writers are sort of going, well, if we give you the different first steps, we can't do the later steps. And the later steps, as far as we're concerned, is really cool. So I, I really hope that Blizzard would just stop releasing the story. Look, when the story sucks, the story sucks and everyone is upset. And I'm upset too. But it is still the story. 
You take it, you leave it. There's nothing you can do about it. Stories are not meant to be crowdsourced. They're meant to be written by writers. Writers that know where they want to go. So calm the hell up, down, right? Let Blizzard tell the story that they want to tell. It's not the end of the world. If you don't like where the Night Elves' home is, just pretend that you're still in Tildrassil. You know, it's not that hard. Plus, I, I genuinely... <sighs> I'll throw this out there, even though I really hope this isn't it. But I genuinely don't think that Blizzard will change um, the home of the Night Elves for one reason and one reason only. Starting zone. Night Elves have a pretty cool starting zone that's been with the game for a very long time. Uh, changing the home of the Night Elves would almost inevitably force a change in starting zone. You can't have old Night Elf start in Teldrassil when the actual Night Elf home is now on the Dragon Isles. That's just not going to compute. Uh, that's a lot of work for a single new starting zone. Unless, of course, this is Blizzard sort of... I don't know if you guys remember, Blizzard sort of revamped the whole starting wastes and starting zone for the undead, you know, to sort of prepare for Gilneas's, and, and maybe this is something that Blizzard is starting to do. Maybe they'll go back and they'll sort of change all of the starting zones in World of Warcraft. Maybe this is just their first step, but I, I can see a number of reasons why this might not actually be the case. So before you get really angry, please chill the hell out uh, and, and give it some time, right? Uh, can I also just very quickly, before we move on to the next topic, uh, I, I quickly want to give a massive shout out to Swatafan. Can I get some hearts in chat? Five of you have joined the DJ Nation. Thanks to Swatafan. Five memberships. Thank you so much, Swatafan. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Arnold, welcome to the Beard Bro. And then, of course, New Anomaly. Thanks for the $2, man. Really appreciate that. Let it be the Telebeam banana tree on the island. <laughs> you could probably do that as well. All right. Next topic of conversation. I want to talk about opening the way. Now, for most of you that, that has seen the video already, I've done a reaction to opening the way. I have also uh, done a bit of a, a discussion. I, I specifically didn't call it an analysis because I didn't have time for an analysis. I, I, I was live, right? We were literally just discussing what we saw. So I didn't have the time to sort of painstakingly go through the cinematic and highlight everything that I think is important within the cinematic. So I wanted to go through it uh, on the shill show and, and really dive into uh, sort of the nuances of the origin story. The first thing I want to talk about is the ancient flame. This is now the Holy shit, Sapphire. 20 gifted memberships. Hearts and chat, ladies and gentlemen. That, that is phenomenal. Thank you so much for that. I really appreciate that. Um, so the, the Ancient Flame, this is now the second time that we've heard about the Ancient Flame. The first time was from the Jordan Elders. For those of you that don't remember, there's a storyline where this old blind Joradan tells you the story of their elders and it speaks about the four elders burrowing down into the earth deep and they don't exactly know like according to him all of the stories kind of differ about what transpired within the earth so they don't really know what transpired within the earth what they do know is that in there the Jordan Elders discovered the sort of proficiency over flame and earth. 
So something in there gifted them a high-level understanding of fire and earth, to the point where they are actual contenders with dragons. Like, Jordan are actual dragon killers due to their proficiency over earth and fire. This ancient flame, we sort of assumed, is one of the elders fueling or empowering Aberys. Remember, this is what uh, Eridicron said to Farak. When Farak asked him, why do we need Aberys? He was like, well, we don't need Aberys. But the flame that fuels it, that we can use. Now, we've assumed that that flame that fuels it is a Jordan Alder, because we know that the Jordan Alder is being tortured and his lifeblood is being used to fuel Aberys. But Farak is doing something completely different within Zarlacc Cavern. He's bathing within something called the Ancient Flames. He's literally bathing in it and absorbing all of its power. Of course, now those Ancient Flames have been mixed with Void. So Farak is sort of falling to the Void at the same time as just absorbing an incredible amount of Ancient Flame. Now, the question becomes, what is this Ancient Flame? What is it that the Jordan Elders discovered that granted them this mastery over fire and earth? My initial thoughts is Ragnaros. Maybe Ragnaros and Therizane. My only question there becomes why. Protodrakes, we know, is a natural outflow from the elemental planes or from the elements themselves. When the elemental planes were locked, the protodrakes had already left, and therefore the protodrakes wasn't locked within it, but the protodrakes were born within the elemental planes. So why would the elemental lords gift a species of dragon haters incredible power over elemental magic to fight off dragons? This 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 baffles me. I don't, I don't quite understand. I, I genuinely thought that the protodrakes and the elements were sort of in step. My initial thoughts were that the reason the primal incarnates hate the aspects is because the aspects turned their backs on the elements. Right? That, that was my initial thoughts. But now it appears the elements also hate the protodrakes. So perhaps there's something there that we have not really found out yet there's a lot of things going on right now so for those of you that don't know uh we just on the last show show we went through deathwing and uh, sort of the notes from deathwing all of the annotated books and and annals that we found from deathwing where it speaks about the early days of the Black Empire and how everything that the Titans said about the Black Empire is completely wrong. The whole subversion of the Elemental Lords and that the Elemental Lords were driven crazy by the Old Gods and that, you know, the, somehow the Titans saved the Elemental Lords by locking them up so that Azeroth could return to normal. Deathwing considers this to be completely and utterly nonsense. It, it did not happen according to Deathwing. So perhaps the Protodrake story is wrong as well. What if the Protodrakes did not come from the elemental realms? Tyr has a workshop 
two, in fact. One of the workshops is dedicated to the aspects. This makes sense. He was the creator of the aspects. But the other workshop is dedicated to protodrakes. There's a number of experiments within that workshop that houses protodrake samples. What if protodrakes was an experiment by the Titans? So an experiment to create life. Allow me to explain. The Titans arrive on Azeroth, and this is very much sort of merging the, the story of Deathwing, but also the original stories of the Titans. The Titans arrive on Azeroth, and they, they spy beings that they have quite literally never seen before. Mortal beings. The Odin actually mentions that he understands that a lot of the Keepers are sort of flabbergasted by, by the emergence of these mortal beings. In other words, they didn't know where these beings came from. They, they couldn't understand how these beings would even exist. But we know that the Titans and the Titan Keepers are ever sort of curious. They love experimentation. Gohoon is a good example of this. They, they really like fucking with things they shouldn't. So what if the Titans, before they created constructs, what if they tried to create flesh in the same way that the old gods apparently just seemed to be able to do? So they tried to make flesh beings, beings specifically that they could control against the old god armies. What if Protodrakes was one of these things that they had created at first? The problem was just that the Protodrakes were savage. They were uncontrollable. They were animals. So this is when the Titans sort of went, nah, never mind. Let's just go for constructs. We know how this works. We've done it millions of times. Metal is strong, right? We'll, we'll just metal everything. No free will. Never mind. This is not a good idea. And perhaps that is why the elemental lords want to kill the protodrakes, because the protodrakes are walking around with essence of elemental power that they stole from the elemental lords themselves. So very much in the same way that the primal incarnates believe that the, uh, the aspects stole from them, the elements believe that the, primal, that the primal incarnates stole from them. So it's sort of like a let's all steal from each other, but really we're all stealing from the elemental lords. That's just sort of throwing out a theory for what that ancient flame might be. And I would also like to point out to everyone that's saying, well, Ragnaros is dead now, it doesn't matter. There are storylines. One of my mods literally made me aware of this because I don't play Alliance, therefore I don't really know all of the stories that happens on the Alliance side. But one of my mods made me aware of this. When you play the, uh, the storyline or the introduction quest line for the Dark Iron Dwarfs, uh, there is a Dark Iron Dwarf there that believes that they can bring back Ragnaros and that Ragnaros will walk again. Now, if that is true, then that confirms my theory that Elemental Lords cannot be killed no matter where you kill them. This would kind of explain a lot of things. There are a number of things in our universe that can only be killed within its own plane. So, uh, demons is a very good example of this. If you want to kill a demon, you have to kill that demon within its own plane. So you have to go into the Twisting Nether and that's where you can slay it. The Titans would be very much aware of this. What if that is why the Titans created the Elemental Planes? Because the Elemental Planes are not natural 
FYI. These are not natural places. They're not places that should exist. The Titans crafted these elemental planes as prisons. So why then would killing the elemental lord in, a, in an elemental plane that isn't its own? It did not build this plane. It, it's not from there originally. It was simply imprisoned there. Why would that kill an elemental lord permanently? I would fully understand if the elemental planes were natural places that, that was there and the Titans just turned it into prisons. But that's not what happened there. So I, I think all of that's wrong. I think we have assumed that you can only kill a primal lord uh, or an elemental lord within their own plane. I, I don't think that's true. I don't think you can kill an elemental lord. I think that's why the Titans locked them up because they are quite literally unkillable. The only thing you you achieve by killing an, an elemental lord is you drive the elements of that element crazy for a while until the elemental lord respawns. And then it just comes at you again. So I do think Ragnaros may actually be the ancient flame that Farak is currently sort of feasting upon and stealing its power from merged with void flame. Uh, which might not work out well. well. We'll have to see. But there's a thing that I want to sort of go off of here. Do we believe Farak is being sacrificed? Because it seems to me that he is. I have no reason to believe that Eridicron did not know that the void corruption is within those flames. Eridicron sends Farak into the into the Zaralak caverns to feast upon the ancient flame there, and I believe, knowing full well that it is corrupt, that it is filled with void, and I explain to you why he's doing it. Eridicron cares nothing for his brothers and sisters. He does not give a shit. He is using them as a tool to slow down the advance of the aspects so that he can put his plans into action. It has nothing to do with saving Dragonkind or helping Dragonkind or anything to that effect. All he cares about is slowing down the aspects because while the aspects are taking care of Farak, while the aspects are busy fighting the Drakthir, while the aspects are busy fighting the Jordan. The aspects aren't fighting him. And this gives him time. Time for what? What is his playbook? I, I don't know. This leads, quite literally, into the next point. The birthright of the Drakthir. Now, this is where I know a lot of people are sort of losing their minds in this cinematic. Because Eretokron himself says, Let the Drakthir claim their birthright. Question time. The only mention of birthright is from Sarkareth himself. When he says that he is certain Nalfarian left something for them. He's not sure what that something is, but he believes it. There's no evidence within the game <clears throat> that suggests that for the that, that, that Nalfarian never left anything for the Drakthir. None. 
if anything, now Varian didn't trust the Drakthir and did not like the Drakthir. So the fact that the the Sarkarath believes this is only because he he can't imagine that his father wouldn't have had a, a birthright for them, something that he would have left for them. Iridocron speaks of this almost as if he knows. He is aware that whatever is in Aberus was meant for the Drakthir. He doesn't give a shit about the, the, the Drakthir, just to be clear. He doesn't give a shit about Aberus. That's not why he opened the way. Again, he's using the Drakthir as a tool to slow down the aspects. Farak is currently feasting upon the flames that is Void Corrupted, FYI, and those of you that did not notice, uh, in a cinematic that was launched a couple of days before the opening the way cinematic, we still went through the cinematic last week, um, right towards the end, Farak starts speaking to the flame. Like, you can see the screen sort of becoming purplish corrupted, and Farak starts speaking to the flame. The flame is speaking to Farak. So Farak is currently being corrupted by the void. It took a long time, but he is now being corrupted by the void flame uh, within uh, Zarala Cavern. So Farak is being sacrificed as a, as, as a tool to slow down the aspects. The Drakthir is he's doing the same thing with him. But why would Deathwing leave void energy for the Drakthir? Do you believe that this was indeed what Deathwing had planned? That he really wanted his children to find the void and accept it into themselves? Now, I know many of you may actually want that because many of you believe that that is the secret behind unlocking the third spec of the Drakthir. So let's talk about that third spec. We have confirmation in the game that a third spec was present. This is not speculation. I'm not speculating at all. We know that the Drakthir had a third spec. How do we know this? Because that's what Imbethol was. Sarkareth was the fist of Nalferian. Nalferian explains it himself. For Sarkareth, he gave that power. Sarkareth and his crash, however. They they were given this power to to attack, to to launch devastating attacks upon their foes. For Sunderthresh uh, and her crash, he gave uh, support, right? He gave them the ability to heal. He gave them the ability to 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 sort of sustain their allies throughout the fight. And for Imbethol and her crash, he gave the power of the black dragonflight. This power was meant to augment, so quite literally to support. That was the idea behind it. And then it was removed from them. When they were placed in stasis, the black essence was removed for some reason. But this was very clearly a a, a, a sort of order from Deathwing himself. Remove the black dragon uh, essence. Keep the red, keep the blue, keep the, keep the bronze and the green. That's fine, but the black needs to be removed immediately. And now we find out that apparently inside uh, Aberus, 
where we know that void corruption is taking place, the birthright of the Drakthir lies in there. And Sokoreth seems to believe that it is the literal void that is their birthright. I don't see a world in which the the Blizzard ever creates a support class. So I think this is actually a very interesting sort of... Is the stream down? Yeah, it's, it's my connection. They're still working on it. Look, if, if the stream goes down a little bit, I'm aware of that. There's nothing I can do to fix it. They're working on trying to fix it. Uh, I was on the phone for about an hour with the guys uh, from the internet, literally just this, uh, just before the stream, actually. Um, they're sending out a technician tomorrow to, to come and try and figure out why their fixes are not working. So what exactly is wrong? So, yeah, sorry. Um, this is just life. It, it'll it'll come right, right? Just give it a while. It'll fix itself eventually. So I don't think Blizzard, just to get back on track, I don't believe that Blizzard will bring out a support spec. I don't think it will ever work. I think the community has embraced the idea of the tribe, the Holy Trinity, um, you know, tank, DPS, healer. I think introducing a support class into World of Warcraft will make almost everyone in the community lose their mind simultaneously and a lot of players would not play the support. Now, the only real answer to that would be to make support super strong. Um, yes, that would definitely make a lot of people play support, but then that would also piss off a lot of people that don't want to play support, but now suddenly they must play support because support is really strong. So, it's a, what do you do? Well, what about Void as a spec? That would not be support, right? That'd be either a tank or DPS. You could do that and that could definitely work we already have classes that use the void uh the void fairly easily there's even a world in which i can see the drakthir being naturally immune to complete void corruption uh, we would have to see how the fight with sarkareth plays out but there is a world in which i can see that happen uh especially considering Sarkareth has the red, no? Sarkareth has the bronze, no. Th yeah, the bronze and the blue, right? Dragonflight essence within him. Sunderthresh has the green and the, the red. Embethal has none. So it may actually be that Embethal would be able to accept the void into herself without succumbing to its uh, void properties because she isn't infused with any of the dragon aspects uh, energy. So <clears throat> I can see that happening. So for those players that were really excited for a third spec for the Drakthir, I, I, I think you may, you may get your, your wish. Although that will be at the end of the expansion, maybe with some killer unlock quest uh, that gives it to you. So let's see. 
But let's talk about the void inside Avarice. Because I do think it's it's interesting. And uh, more specifically, I think the whole of, of Avarice is interesting. The, the main thing that I, I want to talk about uh, isn't so much the Shadow Flame, because we've already spoken about Shadow Flame. Uh, we literally spent an entire episode yesterday, uh, last week, talking about the Shadow Flame. So I don't want to dive into that again. I want to talk specifically about a room that is now within Aberus. It's one of the boss rooms. This room itself isn't just filled with experiments. It is quite literally a void room. It's literally a room within the void. When you look at the room, the whole room is sort of pulled apart. And as far as the eye can see, it's just stars. Now, I'm not showing you this on screen. For good reason. Some people only listen to this, so no point in showing. But you'll be able to, you'll be able to see it soon when the game goes live. And then, my dear friends, there is a pool right in the middle of this room. When you dive into this pool, there is quite literally a circle of stars. Like, quite literally. As you're looking down into this pool, fucking far down, there is a circle of stars there. When you stand and you look into the pool from the top, you can see this pool itself is a circle and there's stars all around inside this pool. Remember what I told you guys? I have a theory. The room that is called the Circle of Stars where we fought uh, Azara. I told you that I don't actually believe that that room is the circle of stars i thought that that room may have actually been named after the actual circle of stars so sort of like a throwback to it i think this may actually be the proper circle of stars to find him in other words not to find nazoth to find him to find the masters to find the true void gods, you have to drown yourself within the circle of stars. And what happens when you jump into this pool? Debuffs. You start going crazy. You would quite literally drown yourself in that pool if you stayed there for too long. That's what I, that's what I believe is going to happen. Alright. I mean it's not a giant room with a circle of stars. That pool links, in my opinion, to the literal void. That's where that pool goes. The pool is quite literally a gateway to the void. It is where the void can enter into our realm. This is why the pool is the only thing that remains whole. Everything else in that room has already been torn asunder. 
and the room itself it doesn't appear to be on Azeroth. Even though you're inside Azeroth when you go into Abaris, Abaris is on Azeroth, but when you enter into this room, this room is clearly not on Azeroth. Wherever this room is, it's not Azeroth. Unless, of course, we're starting to believe the Hollow Earth theory. Like, there might be people that actually believe that Azeroth is hollow inside, and inside Azeroth, there is a whole new galaxy. Because that might be true, but that's, like, next-level speculation. And I have no evidence for that. So, Azeroth is not flat. Go fuck yourself. Um... <laughs> Right, so that that sort of I think concludes the opening the way uh deep dive. And I, I realized that it's a lot less deep than a lot of our other cinematic deep dives, but the truth is that Aberus well the, the opening the way cinematic really wasn't that dense. Not in terms of information. Now of course we could sit here and we could do what we have always done in these deep dives and we could go frame by frame and I could analyze the colors that's being used and I could analyze you know the the specific sound effects is being used but I, when I watched the cinematic it really didn't scream uh the necessity for that there's been cinematics where I really felt it necessary to go that in depth uh, this one didn't scream that. It, it felt like Blizzard really wanted to give a, a bit more subtext to a lot of things. And that's really what I, what, what I wanted to discuss with the opening the way uh, breakdown was the subtext. The, the specific relationship between Farak and Eridacron, Eridacron and Vernoth and Farak, because that relationship appears to be not what it seems. The specific relationship between the Drakthir and Nalfarian and Aberis, I, I wanted to highlight that because, again, that relationship remains question mark, question mark, question mark. And then a little bit about the Void, that room, I think, is going to be a hell of a lot more impactful. I don't know anything about the room because I've not been in the room. And we don't have any information about the room. We just have the room. And the room appears to be important. Uh, because the room doesn't make sense. Where it's located and what is inside of it should not be. I fucking kid you not. The room should not exist. You'll see when you get there. But not where it is. If this room was somewhere in space, no problem. But this room isn't somewhere in space. It's in deep within the Earth of Azeroth. And yet, it looks as if it's an outer space. And it also looks like it's seen better days. So I want to end the sort of planned portion before I get to your questions and super chats and stuff. I want to end the planned portion of, of the stream just very quickly touching on a question that's been baffling me pretty much since the launch of Dragonflight because I feel like before Dragonflight we took a lot of things for granted we sort of always just accepted that the aspects are the, the kings of dragons right they are the dragons it doesn't matter right we never actually 
drew any distinction between dragon aspects and protodrakes, other than protodrakes are just less evolved than the dragon aspects and also not as powerful. We all knew that the dragon aspects were once protodrakes. We knew that they became aspects because of the blessings of the Titan Keepers and the Titans by, by proxy. But nothing else was really thought of it, right? I, I, I never even gave it a second thought. And then suddenly Dragonflight comes around and we find out that the, not only are there many protodrakes, by the way. Remember, we were sort of late to believe that the vast majority of protodrakes had been hunted to extinction. That very few protodrakes ever, like, really existed. And yet we find out there's actually very many of them. But not only is there very many of them, they actually have their own leaders. And it's not the Aspects. It's the Primal Incarnates. So there's a, a few things that, that appear to be problematic. The first is the intelligence of the Primal Incarnates suggests that there's been some lies about the intelligence level of protodrakes because the primal incarnates are clearly not stupid if you were to compare the primal incarnates to the aspects would you say that they are equally intelligent because i would iridocron is definitely not stupid uh, Vernoth is definitely not stupid they clearly have the ability to decipher they have the ability to reason you could argue Farak is maybe a little bit stupid, but I'd say Farak is probably a little bit more blood blood hungry, or he has a bit more bloodlust, but he, he's definitely not stupid, right? So clearly the, the aspects as protodrakes weren't the only highly intelligent protodrakes out there. There were others. There were many others, at least from what we can tell. We still see this weird I'd say stark contrast because you have the primal incarnates highly intelligent know what the hell they're doing their followers also highly intelligent know what they're doing and then you still have these wild protodrakes you see them all over the dragon isles they don't speak they, they don't seem to have any sort of form or language they growl and they appear to just be primal they appear to literally just follow their instincts and i keep coming back to this fundamental question how is that possible when it comes to evolution right it, it is a, a a sort of selective process but usually the way it works is that the intelligence uh, or the ones that sort of evolve intelligence will eventually be the only ones that survive. Because if the intelligence wasn't necessary to survive, the ones with intelligence would be the ones to die out. What's wild to me is that you have this highly intelligent protodrakes and then completely primal protodrakes, even now thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years later you still have this giant gap 
between the most primal of the pri uh, of the protodrakes, and they seem to be fairly well suited to their environments. They can fly, they can hunt, they can eat. They don't appear to be needing anything else. And then you have the primal incarnates who are, well, they can hunt, they can feign for themselves, but they're also highly intelligent to the point where it equals that of the aspects. And then you throw in a bunch of other things and the questions become even more question marky than what they are already. For example, Viranoth states that the Titan or the Aspects kept many things from them, including from each other. This was in the very first cinematic where Viranoth and Ereticron opens the way to the device that eventually gave them access to Aberus. Alexstrasza tells us that they were clutchmates, but to my mind, this means nothing. So what? Alexstrasza, Nalfarian, Maligos, they had many clutchmates. Many of their clutchmates died against Galakrond. When they were exalted to aspect level, those clutchmate links would have, for the most part, died down. It would no longer have mattered. They were aspects, they were new, and they would start their own new fights. Yet Veronoth speaks as if even after the aspects became the aspects, the aspects hid secrets from them. What secrets? What is she talking about? Why does she make it seem as if they were supposed to know what the aspects were up to. Because that's what she makes it seem like. The aspects kept secrets from them that they were not supposed to keep. But the aspects are the aspects. They're so much more exalted than any protodrake could ever hope to be. Unless there was a time when the primal incarnates and the protodrakes ruled together. That changes everything. That changes everything. Because suddenly, this story turns from one of a lust for power to a lust for justice. So I'm going to give you an alternate sort of story here. What if... What if the Aspects betrayed the Primal Incarnates? What if in a hunt for power, the Aspects decided to lock up the Primal Incarnates so as to sort of hoard all of the power for themselves? There's a number of things that, that lead into this. The first is the sort of the general feel from the primal incarnates themselves, how they look upon the aspects. The second is that we know the Titan Keepers have no problems doing this. Like they would gladly steal power if it means that, that you know, it gives them a leg up in some kind of war. Uh, but then there's 
Well, this is very questionable, but remember I made a video about the tower. Hector Howell actually sort of helped me realize that, that this tower may be important, but there's a tower that stands on the Dragon Isles. Um, the name escapes me now. Out of this tower flows ice. Like, everything around it is completely frozen fucking solid, as if in the moment. So it's not as if you just have ice emanating from it. It looks as if things were exploding out of it and froze Vakthros. That's the... T thank you, Hector Al. Vakthros. You have these beams of things that got frozen as it traveled out of this tower. Would that not be maybe the power source of Veronoth? Locked up by Maligos and the Blue Dragonflight in order to hoard that power for themselves? Can you see that as a possibility? Because I can. I, I think it's... I, I don't only think it's possible. Right now, I think that is the main theory that I have. The Aspects betrayed the Primal Incarnates, and it does not have to be all of the Aspects. The Primal Incarnates would not know who is to blame, so they would blame all of them. But I think it may have been Maligos and Deathwing. Maligos and Deathwing both have a history of wanting to hoard power for themselves. It is entirely possible that Maligos and Deathwing hoarded the power of the Primal Incarnates for themselves. The Primal Incarnates wouldn't even know. Therak may not even know that the very thing that he is currently absorbing into himself is actually his power source. It's what he was born from. Could be, could be literally the thing that he was made out of. Now, of course, we have no evidence of this. And to be fair, no evidence of this will exist for a really long time. Because um, I still believe that Blizzard is going to slow roll this expansion into oblivion. Like, you have no idea. Based on what I'm reading and based on the pace of the current expansion, Blizzard is doing something magical. <laughs> and it's actually wild that no one has caught on to it yet. Because I had genuinely sort of prepared myself for a lot of people losing their minds. Would any of you disagree with the fact that we're getting so much lore in this expansion, it, it almost makes your head spin? Would you disagree with that statement? Like, there is just so much lore. It feels like it's just a never-ending stream of lore. I think everyone would sort of be, yeah, no, oh, absolutely, that is how I feel. I love the lore. Every single few months, we get some massive reveal. The truth, however, is we're not getting that much lore about specific things in WoW. Let me explain. In the past, we would get, with every patch, a giant chunk of lore 
about a specific storyline, about a specific thing, right? And the whole patch would sort of deal with this specific thing. This time around, Blizzard is doing something magical. Where they're going, no. We give them bits and pieces of multiple things. So in every expansion, you get a little bit of, say, for example, the blue dragon flight and a little bit of the red dragon flight. Or in like in 10, uh, 1007, we got a little bit from the blue, right? Not that much, actually. Just a little bit from the blue. We got a little bit from the black. Again, not actually that much when you compare it to actual patches in the past. Just a little bit from the black. We got an entire quest line around the heritage armor, which was really fun, right? And we also got the storyline with um, with Bane. But these are four different storylines. Each of them with a little bit baked into it. You want to know what this achieves? And again, Sapphire Raven, 20 memberships. You mad lad. Horace and chat, ladies and gentlemen. I really appreciate it, Sapphire. Thank you, thank you, thank you, bro. The the support is always very much appreciated. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for that. But you want to know what makes that absolutely phenomenal? It makes the world feel more alive than it's ever felt in its entire existence. I have never experienced the game on this level. Ever in my life. I've never experienced the game on this level. It's actually kind of wild. Because, you know, in the past, you would sort of get the story of the Black Dragon fight, and there would be, let's say, you know, five hours of content about the uh, the Black Dragon flight. But all of the other flights would be sort of forgotten, right? You would spend no time in any of the previous zones. You wouldn't go back to the previous zone for anything because all the story was happening here. Only this time, that's not at all what happened. We went from having gone to the Forbidden Reach, or returning to the Forbidden Reach, rather, but the game is still pulling us back to the old world, thanks to the new quest design. It's going, no, there's still an old world here. There's still stuff that needs to be experienced in this old world, so go back keep going back not everything is happening in the new world it's masterful i had half expected people to complain i genuinely did i i was watching twitter every day going right this is the day that people figure out blizzard is giving them a little bit of a lot rather than a lot of a little bit and people were going to complain about that but i think everyone has sort of reached the same conclusion it's better than what it's ever been before. A little bit of a lot makes the world feel a hell of a lot more alive than it's ever felt before. So, hats off to you, Blizzard. Hats off. That is really well done. That's the end of the prepared uh, sort of section for the show show this week. Remember, we are waiting for massive lore drops. Uh, I wanted to do uh, the Titans and a Titan discussion today as well, but that might take uh, longer than 
than what we have available to us to uh, to discuss because there is a lot that I want to say about the Titans. <laughs> There's a lot that we have to go through. So we'll leave the Titan conversation for another day. Um, and I'm also gearing up for Tain 1 because I think Tain 1 is going to be off the hook. Uh, I imagine we're going to get a lot more lore and, and a lot more story from Tain 1. Uh, this might be this this might be one of the biggest patches World of Warcraft has ever had, especially considering that right after this patch, we're already getting ready for Tain One Seven, and we already know that there's going to be more story in Tain One Seven. So it's it's kind of wild all around just how much story is in, uh, you know, in the very near future for all of us, right? Uh, so I quickly want to go through here and just once again say thank you to everyone that became members and of course to the gifted members sapphire 40 gifted memberships in the channel just today you're absolutely crazy bro and then of course swatafan for the five memberships i really appreciate that as well uh new anomaly productions with the 10 dollar super chat really appreciate that fam I expect to see good guy Nalfarian return when the lunar embrace happens at Elune's return. All aspects are restored to full power, life, and uncorrupted. Okay, so I don't believe that that will happen, New Anomaly. Let me explain. On the one hand, Blizzard have spent a, a, a lot of time Building up the three black dragons that we have currently. We have Abyssian, we have Sibelian, and we have Rathian. And these three are constantly vying for control over the black dragons and the flight. Well, what remains of the flight, shall we say. Introducing Nalfarian once again to the story achieves two things. It nullifies the build-up to these three... In its entirety. Like, what was the point of the three build-up if if you're not going to use it because you brought Nalfarian back? Not only that, but why bring Nalfarian back in the same expansion that you choose to bring Ysera back? Because now it just starts to feel like, oh, we're just bringing all of them back. Yeah. You know, it again sort of diminishes death. And then thirdly, and this is actually the real reason I don't want them to do this, is I think it, it sort of diminishes the the story of Deathwing. Now, Farian was a phenomenal villain. Like, truly top tier. If you like, if you didn't have Arthas, Nalfarian may actually be one of the greatest villains in World of Warcraft's history. For how short amount of time he was around, he was truly impactful in very many ways, right? So... The fact of the matter is, bringing him back risks sort of... I feel like it it risks watering down what Nalfarian was. And I would prefer if they don't do that. I, I would prefer that Nalfarian doesn't turn into, you know, 35 anima. The same way that Arthas did. Uh, just leave the man. You know, leave the dragon. He had his run. He had a, a great story. But it's over right it's it's good and over now there is a world in which blizzard may bring him back as a bad guy right 
But they kind of already achieved that with his... In the new Abaris raid, where you fight his sort of, you know, guardian. And that might be the best way to bring him back. Right? Is like this. It's not actually Deathwing, but it is enough like Deathwing that it is sort of a... a a throwback to the days of Deathwing. I think that's enough. I, I don't think we should see any more of Deathwing. But I still appreciate the $10. Uh, so thank you so much for that. Stone Drakes aren't actually dragons, but elementals. Well, Sapphire, according to everything we know now, um, Proto Drakes are also just elementals. They're, they're made up of the elemental magic. So nothing really is a dragon at this point, at least from what it seems like right um the first in the hour of twilight where are we now uh in terms of the hour of twilight i think we're we're quite a ways off uh from that moment before the hour of twilight can even begin to be a thing morazon has to be born so morazon has to come into existence and then more importantly morazon needs time in order to unravel all of the timelines to bring about the Hour of Twilight, the final moment, so to speak. So we're still very much um, not there yet. Remember, the Hour of Twilight isn't a moment. It's sort of a build-up towards it. There's a lot of things that need to happen at, until we get to the Hour of Twilight, which is the final moment, and that is the moment that the universe is in its entirety handed over to the Void Lords when they can finally call themselves, you know, the supreme rulers of the universe. Uh, but that's not going to happen just, you know, oh, we lost this fight, fuck, Hour of Twilight. Bad time for everyone. No, <laughs> there's going to be a lot that happens there. One might argue that we have already started building that future. Uh, I might argue that, right? But again, we wouldn't know uh, un until we know. So, yeah. Uh, so sort of the only thing I can say about that. God of War, $10 super chat. Really appreciate that, fam. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, and then again, another 20 gifted subs. Sapphire Raven, I really appreciate that as well. Uh, Greg, you look like John Rice Davis's nutsack. I have no idea who that is, but must have a gorgeous fucking nutsack, right? Well, you would know. You suck it every, every night, right? Was it fun or not so much? Have you seen Deathwing and Warcraft Adventures, Lord of the Clans, cancelled Bliss game? Um, I don't think I've so, I've seen that, but sure. That's the actor who plays Gimli. Oh, from Lord of the Rings. Okay, cool. I've never seen his nutsack, but Greg is well, well, well acquainted with it. He He's his personal cocksucker. I've started to listen to Dawn of the Aspects yesterday. What a book. Dude, Dawn of the Aspects really good. <laughs> really really good anyways i'm gonna throw it off to you for like a final five minutes do any of you have any questions about any of the theories that i've discussed or any theories that you think should be discussed remember the main q a is tomorrow night so if you really have questions or you have a theory that you want to share with me that happens tomorrow night over on twitch uh, so you can join the discord follow me over on twitch if you want to uh, jump into Discord when we're live and uh, you can ask your question or share your theory with me in real time. But I'll, I'll quickly take a couple of questions here as well because I love discussing questions uh, and, you know, just sort of touching base, if you will. 
Got a wild theory. What if Kilrog showed us our true death when Azeroth doesn't bring it back? The moment Khadgar turns the key? Hmm. Would he have the power to do that, though? Gomer, not misses. Well, all power, all classes that we have already have to do with single forces, right? But different classes can have mixtures of forces. But yes, you will always have a class that borrows from a specific source. You can't really have it any other way. Because the cosmological forces is the high magics of our universe. It's magic. We wield magic. So we can wield combinations of magic, but we still need to wield magic. And the only way to wield magic is to tap into the cosmological forces. For there is no other magic than the magic of the cosmological forces. And the only class that has power over the full uh, sort of elemental spectrum is Shaman. Right? Uh, druids have some power over some elemental uh, sections, but they don't have the full spectrum of it. It's only Shaman that has power over all of the element, uh, like the elements. The rest of the classes are made up of a mixture of different cosmological powers, because that literally is where ma magic comes from. Uh, so you can't really come up with a new type of magic that wouldn't be from one of these cosmological forces, because, well... All magic is one of the cosmological forces. At least, that's the story. <laughs> it, it maybe it's a lie, but it, you know, maybe it isn't. Um, didn't discuss this, but what about player housing? Next aspect, similar to uh, DCUO or FF. So bogus. We will definitely have a a an episode where we talk about player housing as well as. Uh, it's one of the things that I might do from next week, actually. Do, like, an hour of lore, and then also an hour of sort of game discussion. You know, just sort of in general. Uh, game design, game development, things that World of Warcraft needs to do, could do better. You know, just to sort of not just have an hour of lore talk, but have a good amount of lore talk, but then also have a bit of a game development talk and maybe a bit of gaming news so if that's something you want to see hit the like button if you would like to go through some gaming news as well if it makes sense gaming news is in world of warcraft news not normal gaming news uh i don't give a fuck about other gaming news i that's something for myself uh, but if you want wow world of warcraft news coverage we can go through that as well here uh there is one final thing that i i want to touch on but it's a little it's a little political but i feel like it has to be touched on because yeah it just it kind of annoys me when good people get caught in the crosshairs of really bad people and that seems to be the thing that's happening now so um if you want go show some love uh, to Soul So Breezy, if he's one of your favorite content creators, because he's really good. And he's a really good guy. You know, I, I don't think I've ever heard him say anything mean to anyone, to be fair. He, he does appear to be a really nice guy. But he's currently in the midst of uh, a potential cancel campaign. Uh, you know, the Twitter Puritans have uh, caught on to him and a tweet that he made 
a while ago, actually, in 2021, he made a tweet uh, about the exploring Azeroth, Callum Dorvok, that he's now being called out for, for racism. Like, Twitter is literally calling Soul So Breezy a racist. Now, I obviously tweeted out uh, in support of Soul. Me and Sol have a lot of disagreements. Uh, I'm sure we disagree politically as well. But I love the guy. I think he's a really good fucking guy. And I do think that Twitter is getting dangerous right now, especially for content creators. Uh, this shit is getting just absolutely wild. So while, you know, when Blizzard came out, so Huawei had a post. Let me just give you guys the backstory here. Huawei had a post. And in the post, it basically spoke about exploring Azeroth, Kalimdor. WoW's newest lore book has received a great deal of criticism, specifically for reinforcing negative, harmful, and racial stereotypes in its handling of horde races and characters, many of which are BIPOC-coded. Now, even then already, I said that a lot of this is read with a very racist tone. Because a lot of the things that people sort of took issue with, if you read it just like a fantasy story, it was fine. But then if you really wanted to, you could find racism in it. Which, FYI, if you really wanted to, you could find racism in everything. There is nothing that you could not find racist if you really wanted to. So I didn't agree with half of the shit that people took an issue with with exploring Kalimdor uh, or exploring Azeroth. I, I just thought that a lot of people were trying to create problems where no problems existed. It still happens, by the way. The Twitter brown shirts are still at it. Or, or uh, like, literally at all hours of the day trying to find someone, something to cancel. Uh, and I think Blizzard is running into a problem now where they're going to keep getting attacked by the Twitter brown shirts. And it's just going to get worse. It is genuinely just going to get worse to the point where Blizzard won't be able to do anything without these brown shirts losing their shit over it. But so Sol retweets the tweet from Wowhead and he says, funny enough, this makes me want the book now. I read this tweet from Sol So Breezy as saying, I want to see for myself if this is actually racism or if people are taking this out of context. That's what I took Salsa Breezy's tweet to be. And I think based on the work that Salsa Breezy does for a living, that is a good takeaway. Salsa Breezy covers WoW News. The book would be part of WoW News. If there is actually allegations of racism within the book, you need to cover it means you need to read it otherwise how are you gonna cover it right so he wants to read it because he wants to see for himself if there's racism in it the twitter brown shirts do not give you the benefit of the doubt ladies and gentlemen so zenro iron cake right obviously not a real picture you don't know what he looks like because that's usually how these brown shirts operate I wasn't aware that during the whole exploring Kalimdor thing, Sol came out in support of racism, very literally and in no uncertain terms. They, so not him or he, probably not sure what Sol identifies as, they really got off scot-free 
uh, on that one somehow, lol, but it's certainly something I'm keeping in mind. As if, as if this savior, Iron Keg of ours, you know, without him, the racist would be running around doing all manner of crazy shit if it wasn't for our friend Iron Keg over here. You know, that was just keeping us safe, keeping us safe against the racists on Twitter. He does inform us, ladies and gentlemen, in no uncertain terms that, you know, as you can see here, he's keeping it in mind now. He's keeping an eye on this shit. He's never going to let this one go again. Um, it's disgusting to me. It is absolutely disgusting to me that, that people would go after Soul, of all people, people would go after Soul um, and, and try to catch him out for racist. This is the problem with people like this, right? Their entire identity is anti-whatever. And so their job, it, this happened during the Puritan movement. During the Puritan movement, you had, yeah, funnily enough, Sol is actually BIPOC coded, right? Sol is actually, uh, as far as I know, Sol isn't white. You know, last time I checked, he doesn't have blonde hair and blue eyes. Uh, he, he's not a picture of the Aryan race, but I could be wrong, right? Maybe Sol is just using an overlay like I am, right? He's just a VTuber. Uh, but from what I understand, Sol is not a white guy. But apparently, you know, uh, this, is the, this is the next thing now. Uh, the Puritans did this as well, right? Uh, you had kids literally handing over their own parents to the masters uh, to show how pure they are. And that's the problem with this movement. It, it, it's literally all about showing how pure you are by sort of offering up all the unpure people. Uh, so definitely show some love to Saul if you, if you have the time, if you have Twitter. And push back on this shit, ladies and gentlemen, because it becomes harder and harder for content creators to say anything if uh, if this is the level of shit. Look, people are going to make mistakes. People are going to say things that they regret. Heck, I say a lot of things that even just a few hours later, I go, ah, I should really not have said that. <laughs> it happens, right? But that's life. People make mistakes. We all make mistakes. What are you supposed to do? All you can do is move on and try not to make the same mistakes again and again. And all you can do is cut other people slack when they do make those mistakes and be like, hey, you know, mistakes are made. It's fine. This level of dragging people, because what this person wants now is an apology. Now, luckily, Sol didn't apologize. If I'm not mistaken, Sol's reply uh, was the article made me curious about what what more was in the book? Hence my comment. I got off scot-free because no reasonable person would overthink this. OP, you are so, so weird for the overreach and that you're looking up years old tweets to drag me down. Didn't look up anything, saw it on someone else's post, and your tweet was perfectly clear. Don't worry. It's good that Sol didn't apologize. I'm really glad that he didn't apologize. But this guy is just like... Yeah, no, mate. It doesn't matter what you say you think you meant. It matters what I think you meant. Do you understand how fucking bonkers this is? Like, do, does anyone... Do you guys understand how bonkers this is? 
when you tell someone, I don't care what you think you meant by this tweet. I'm telling you what you meant by this tweet. And it was perfectly clear that you're a fucking racist. Not everyone is racist, ladies and gentlemen. Not everyone is fucking evil or wants to do evil things. I would argue that most people aren't racist. But if you want racism, you will find it. Wouldn't be hard. It's out there, right? And you can find something to call someone racist. Especially when all you need to do is twist the words into what you think someone said rather than what they actually said. It's it's annoying. So push back on it if you can. Show Soul some love if you can. Because the fact that this guy said that he saw it on someone else's post suggests to me that probably some kind of campaign is currently underway on... Um, uh, what's that fucking site called? Uh, man. All the weirdos hang out at it. Uh, it used to be very big for porn. Now it's like, you know, all the weirdos gather there. Um, what's it called again? Not Kiwi, no. Tumblr. That's the one. Tumblr. Uh, it's probably some kind of thing running on Tumblr. Uh, I was, myself, almost cancelled by Tumblr. Well, they tried. It was not a long campaign. Because when they finally realized that I don't give a fuck, uh, I think they gave up. Um... So, yeah, it's probably, like, a Tumblr thread that's running right now. And Zanro, obviously, you know, the, the staunch protector of freedom that he is. Um, or not freedom, but anti-racism. He's on Tumblr every day, all day. You know, just doing his thing. Living his life. Uh, making sure that none of us ever have to deal with racism ever again. Funnily enough, Zenro comes off as uh, a massive bigot, actually. Also, a little bit of a savior complex. I would argue. I would not be surprised if... Uh, can we see? How he, does, he has nothing about himself here at all. But I would not be surprised if... Uh, Zenro is white himself. And, you know, he has some kind of white savior complex where... You know, uh, he's the only one that can save... All the colored people from... Um, you know, the evils in the world. Check his other tweets. Nah, I don't want to give him the time of day. I just wanted to bring this to your attention because I do think Sol is a really good guy. And uh, it's sometimes, it can get lonely when you're the only, like, when you're standing against this and there's this wave of negativity and darkness that comes at you, it, it can get really lonely. So in those times, it, it always helps when you have a community that sort of stands up for you and they're like, hey, bro, we got you, fam. We love you, bro. Um, it really does help. So go show him, go, go show him some love. Uh, I don't know how much this is affecting him, but I know some people that, you know, go, I know people who quit making content because of cancel campaigns that just got completely out of hand. And I would hate to see Sol ever do that. So yeah, just go show him some love. Um, so, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for sticking around and uh, until the end of the show. 
Uh, I'm pretty sure next week's show is going to be probably a little bit longer than today's show. Because we are going to be talking about the Titans next week. Um, Titans, Titan Keepers. And then probably a little bit about Old Gods. I also want to talk a little bit about Sylvanas. Just because apparently she's in the news again. Apparently she's still in the news. It's like wild. Savannah hasn't been around for a while now, and she's still the most searched for page on uh, Wowpedia. It's, it's crazy, right? It's absolutely nuts. But she's still the most searched page uh, out there. Remember, you can find this uh, stream or this video. Uh, will be uploaded to podcasts, uh, Spotify, Apple Music, CastBox, a lot of your favorite ones not all of them but a lot of them some i can't upload to because i'm not in the us and i have to be not in south africa to upload to them but everywhere else i do have uh this now as a podcast the video if you've missed it will be live tomorrow afternoon uh the vod tomorrow evening for those of you that want to watch the vod again maybe you've missed something maybe you want to see it again and then tomorrow i will be live on twitter with the q a so join the Discord if you haven't already. Jump into the voice channel when we're live and ask any and all questions. If you want to share a theory, if you want to disagree with me about a theory, whatever you want to do, the mic and the floor is yours. Not on Twitter. Twitch. Sorry, not Twitter. I would never go live on Twitter. I don't even know how you would go live on Twitter. But yes, on Twitch. So follow me over on Twitch if you haven't already. And uh, if you're a patron or a YouTube member... So there's quite a few of you that just joined the YouTube membership program. Uh, there will be a podcast in about two hours from now, right? Uh, we're about to shoot the podcast. It'll be uploaded and then it will be live. It is exclusive to members and patrons. So follow me over on Patreon if you aren't already, uh, because Patreon also gets access to very naughty hentai pictures. So you know, if you're a if you're a horn dog like myself. Uh, you might like that. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for coming out, for hanging out, for spending your afternoon, your morning, your evening with me. It's been an absolute pleasure. As always, ladies and gentlemen, be kind to each other. Be good to each other. Remember to cut each other a little bit of slack. Sometimes people just make mistakes, and it really is just mistakes. Not everyone's evil. I love you guys. Peace out, fam.